Texans All Access. Let's gear up with some Papa John's picks for $6. That's right, a variety of items for only $6 each. The Vanderkids are going to love this. Meatballs, chicken poppers, garlic knots, breadsticks, whatever you want. $6 each. Papa John's no contact delivery available. Papa John's Houston. Houston owned and operated for 25 years. Order online at papajohns.com or on the app. the snap looking flips the ball diving for the pylon and he's got it razzle dazzle touchdown houston and the texans go in front game day is every day we had a lot of energy and we brought a lot of spark for this organization the best is yet to come five nights a week the hits keep on coming ball is out the texans say they have it and they do now it's texans all access Presented by First Community Credit Union. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris. And tonight, because it's Thursday and it's a tradition, and we're all about tradition here, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, the general, joining us. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. And let's start with you, General. Boy, I heard a promo running a lot on 610 about you citing the Texans' running game as, what is it, the second worst in the history of the franchise on pace for that anyway, through eight games, something they really need to correct quickly. They do, and they need to start Sunday in Cleveland where the weather's going to be terrible. And Duke Johnson, at least he'll be playing. He's familiar with the conditions at the Brown Stadium because he played there four years. But right now they're on a pace to be the second worst to the 2002 expansion team with Jonathan Wells as the leading rusher. They're only 75 yards ahead of that pace, and that is a dubious distinction they do not want to set. Oh, General, do not tell me that this weather is going to be bad. (laughs) The report I got from the Browns a while ago is, and it's changed. It's supposed to be nice in northeast Ohio until Sunday morning, and then Sunday morning it's supposed to be between at game time 45 to 55, that's a big discrepancy, but that's the way it is on Lake Erie, with wind gusts up to 40 miles an hour. Their last game that they lost at home, 16 to 6, to the Raiders, the wind gusts were 35 miles an hour. And they threw, Derek Carr threw for 116 yards, Baker Mayfield 122. There was only one touchdown in the game, but... Josh Jacobs of the Raiders ran for 127 yards. So the weather seemed to be so bad, it didn't benefit the Browns, but they got Nick Chubb back to go with Kareem Hunt. They're averaging 150 yards a game, five yards a carry. As as Anthony Weavers told us today, it'll be a ground-and-pound game. Well, that's not the Texans. I saw hot take, hot type of key. It's throwing a football with Deshaun Watson playing so great. Geez, I'd like to have Jonathan Wells for Sunday because he'd be a good back for this kind of stuff. You know, he played at Ohio State, and yes, he did lead the Texans in rushing year one with 529 yards, but don't forget about the man who would eventually become the rapper called Merciless, interestingly enough, James Allen, who ran for 519 that year. Okay, they didn't set the world on fire running the football, but they did go to Cleveland that year. They would lose that game. John, the last time the Texans were in Cleveland, we've been talking a lot about that game, was 2014. Watt with the TD catch and all of that, and the Browns were 6-3 and three at the time. They're 5-3 and three now. Are the Browns better now 
than they were then at 6-3 and three, coming off a blowout win over the Bengals in prime time. It's interesting. This time last year, the Browns were 2-6 and six and the Texans were 5-3. and three. Now they've yeah. been reversed. And this is a multi-talented Cleveland team. People up there, I've done three talk shows up there, they're so skeptical, and they should be. The last time the Browns had a winning record, Romeo Cornell was the coach. The last time they made the playoffs, the Texans were playing their inaugural season. People think they've had it bad around here, only winning the division for the last five years. It is amazing the decades of failure and ineptitude that the Browns have had. So they're five and three this year, and everybody's holding their breath. But they can run the ball really well, which makes them less dependent on Baker Mayfield. And so, so much pressure to have the good Baker instead of the bad Baker. Now, they say their defense can be thrown on, and that's under normal conditions. But I think Deshaun Watson, he ran the most and he had the most yards against the Jaguars. Wouldn't surprise me if he didn't run 10 times again for 50 or more yards because in conditions like we could be facing, uh, you got to run the ball. And I'm excited to see what Duke Johnson can do in a full-time role. John, what is your overall take on Baker Mayfield? Because a guy I see against the Bengals throws five touchdowns. Against the Raiders, he throws for 122 yards. Two years ago when we faced him as a rookie, he throws three interceptions in the first half. Then he throws for 351 yards in the second half. What's your overall read on Baker Mayfield, and do you think that he is the for-sure quarterback for this organization for the next dozen years? I think that, well, I wouldn't say dozen. Will he get a new contract after next season? Yes, maybe after this season. Depends on how the second half goes. He has 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions. His rating is 90. You know, Deshaun Watson, his streak of trying to get a seventh consecutive game with a rating of 109 or more, that's in jeopardy because of the conditions. But uh, everybody up there is talking about Watson, what could have been. We asked Deshaun about it yesterday. He talked about his visit up there, meeting with Hugh Jackson, the coach at the time. And he said, that's the place I thought I could be. And then, of course, the rest is history, thanks to Rick Smith making that deal with Sashi Brown, their former general manager. You know, it's amazing to me when you think about this. Kevin Stefanski, he worked with Gary Kubiak last year. Gary's very high on him. You can see Gary's offense and what the Browns are doing, especially with their running game and their bootleg. And uh, Stefanski is with the Vikings for 14 years. Paul DePodesta, their chief strategy officer, you guys know from spending 20 years in baseball, he wanted Stefanski instead of Freddie Kitchens. But the owner, the Haslam's, wanted Kitchens because he'd done a really good job coaching Mayfield as a rookie. Turned out to be a disaster. John Dorsey fired his GM. You talk about instability. He's the fourth coach in four years. They've had three general managers in four years. And they hope now that Andrew Berry, the general manager and, and the executive vice president of football ops and Kevin Stefanski, the coach, they're going to be there a while. But it is Stefanski's first year with Mayfield. What if he's inconsistent the rest of the way? And uh, Stefanski says, okay, I'm going to be here a while. I'm going to have another quarterback. I don't think that will happen. I think, you know, let's, let's be honest. If you look at Cleveland, and I, the last truly great quarterback they had was Otto Graham. It's hard to play in Cleveland 
where that stadium is in the winter and throw the ball a lot. Bernie Kosar was good at it, not great. That's why to win, you got to have a great running game. Chicago, worst running team in the league, worse than the Texans. They can't run in Soldier Field in any month of the year. And that's why I don't think they're going to the playoffs. And it's why I do think the Browns are going to the playoffs because they can run the rock. Okay, you said something there. I, Otto Graham was an outstanding quarterback, and kids, trust us, he was outstanding. Look, he's way before my time. I've just seen the black and white highlight footage and looked at the numbers, and he was he won a lot of championships. John, what about Brian Sype, though? He was a league MVP. I know he wasn't a great quarterback. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he was pretty good for a bit with Sam Rattigliano coaching the Cleveland Browns. He had, had the biggest interception in Browns history, man, red right. <laughs> 1980, all they had to do was kick a field goal. Rattigliano uh, goes for the touchdown. Mike Davis intercepts in the end zone, and the Raiders go on to win a Super Bowl. Sipe was a good quarterback. They were known as the cardiac kids then, and I was there when they beat the Oilers, and I think it was the second game of the 1980 season in Cleveland, old Cleveland Stadium, sold out with 82,000 fans, and it wasn't known as the dog pound then but it would become the dog pound. I used to love to go in that old stadium. It was a dump, yeah, the biggest dump I've ever been in. But to walk out on the roof from the makeshift press box, didn't even have an elevator. And you're walking up and up, and there could be ice on the cement where you could break your neck. And going out on that roof and watching all those fans come come from downtown, the parking garages and the lots, coming to support their team, 80,000 strong, is still one of the most memorable experiences I've ever had covering the NFL. Were you at the AFC Championship game when Ernest Biner fumbled? I was there, and he was such a class act, answered every question from the media afterward, and I felt so sorry for him. I've told my friends on talk shows today, I don't feel bad for the Browns players or coaches or owners. They come and go, but the fans and the media stays the same. They got media covering that team since the early eighties. You know, they hadn't been doing it as long as I have, but it's close and they've been suffered through. They've gone through the drive, the fumble, those, those such incredibly difficult losses with Bernie Kosar there and Marty Schottheimer there. I was there for Marty's last game when the Oilers had to play up there two weeks in a row. They lost the last game, had to go back for the wild card, beat them. Schottenheimer was fired by Bodell, goes to Kansas City, which turned out to be the best thing could happen to him. But there's some great stadiums. Every time I go back to Canton, especially when I started going there 28 years ago on the committee and all those old Browns players would come and seeing them and the reaction of the Cleveland fans was just unbelievable. Jim Brown is still there. He's still an advisor on the team. And Jim Brown, to me, is the greatest player I've ever seen in football. John, do you think that the Stefanski-Andrew-Berry combination, it feels like it has staying power? I mean, it feels like there is a little stability, at least with those two, because Jimmy Haslam has gone through – general manager and head coaches kind of like you're changing out pants in the changing room, but it feels like he's finally found a pair of pants that works with Andrew Barry, one of the youngest GMs, if not the youngest in the league and Kevin Stefanski, a pretty young head coach. It feels like that is staying power, 
Do you think that's the case? It feels like it, and the fact that they are five and three like right now makes it more of a reality. But you guys know all it could take is one key injury to Mayfield or them to suffer a couple of losses in a row and lose their confidence. Think about their ineptness. Not a winning record, not a 500 record since Romeo was the coach there, and I think it was 08 or 07, 08. And uh, that is just amazing. And sometimes they couldn't even come close. Think about what how bad they were under Hugh Jackson. They've had so many failed draft choices. Mm. It's amazing. But maybe they finally hit on that formula where they've got two good running backs. They got a big offensive line. One of the first things Stefanski did was he hired a great offensive line coach, Bill Callahan. And then Callahan went in there and they signed Jack Conklin, free agent, used their first round pick on Tristan Wirfs. And then they last year, Dorsey, before he got fired, brought in a guard. I think his name's Teller, plays right guard. Yep. They say he is physical and he loves kicking butt. And their offensive line is so much better, especially when it comes to run blocking. John McClain joining us from the Houston Chronicle. General, you brought up Freddie Kitchens and the fact that the Haslam family wanted him to be the coach because he did a good job as a coordinator coaching Baker Mayfield. Obviously, it didn't work out as a head coach. You know, these are the kinds of things that happen sometimes. I mean, sometimes coordinators become great head coaches. Sometimes they don't. Uh, where are we at right now? I mean, are, is this a week-to-week thing? Uh, has your mind changed? Have things been adjusted, in your opinion, as far as uh, who the top candidates are? Or are we still looking at Enemy and maybe Arthur Smith and maybe pick one? First of all, I'm more interested in the general manager because he's going to be hired before the coach. And so to know what kind of coach they get, we're going to have to know what kind of GM they get. Now, the Browns, because Paul De Podesta oversaw the search, he hired Stefanski, who he wanted the previous time, and, and Jimmy Haslam signed off on it this time, and then they signed Andrew Berry two weeks later. Berry played for the Browns. He, was, he worked for the Browns in personnel, and he left, and then he came back, and people are very happy up there right now, but that could change. And as far as the Texans, we can speculate all we want about Eric Bieniemy and and Arthur Smith of the Titans, and I think I would not say I've got to have an offensive coach. I would interview defensive guys too: Robert Sala, Wink Martindale, Matt Eberflus of the Colts. His defense is great. We're going to see it tonight against the Titans. I would interview a lot of candidates, but first you got to get the right GM. You know, you got to get a GM with stability like they did when they, they hired Rick Smith. Rick had never been a general manager. He grew into the position with Gary Kubiak. And so maybe they take that longtime personnel director. I don't know. But, you know, I just because everybody says Eric Bieniemy is the top choice, then I hope certainly hope he's in the running for the Texans. But it could be somebody with another organization, a guy like Stefanski, 14 years in the Vikings coaching staff, worked his way up from the bottom, and then they hire him. And right now, they look like they hit a home run at least eight games into the season. John, I'm going to ask this, and I'll make sure I'm, I'm clear about this. It, do you think the GM head coach is sort of a package deal? And here's why I ask that, because I think back to, to Rick and to Gary, uh, and I can't re- – I think it was Gary got hired first, then Rick I think was the way it went, but I'm not 
totally sure on that. I think that's the way it was. But Gary was hired way before Ray. Right. Do you think it's going to be in some way, shape, or form like if it's Eric Bieniemy or if it's Eric Bieniemy to take coaching job that the GM will be somebody from the Chiefs tree, so they're speaking kind of the same language, or if it's Brian Schottenheimer that they go get somebody from Seattle and from the front office, so that they're speaking kind of the same language, or do you think it will be two completely disparate uh, individuals coming from maybe just different walks of life, if you will? Well, first of all, I think if they did that, they'd be making a mistake. They need to get the best people possible. And um, the way Gary Gary was hired here, and Charlie was still the general manager, right. and Charlie Charlie would have been the general manager longer, I believe, but I think he was infuriated when Bob McNair brought in Dan Reeves to be a consultant on the search and didn't tell him about it till it was announced. And I knew then he was out of there. And Adam Schefter, who's a good friend of mine, was covering the Broncos. When he t- he said when Kubiak was hired, he said, you watch, Gary's here. At some point, they're going to hire Rick Smith. We, they're best friends. We just didn't know at the time Charlie was going to leave and apply for that job. Newly created the NFL that went to uh, Anderson, the agent, Ray Anderson. And so uh, he certainly recommended Rick, but they were not. Nobody thought about Rick Smith at the time and so if there's somebody working under brett beach at uh, kansas city it's been there for a while i think anybody they hire in a front office is going to have to have been there he's going to have to been part of a successful operation and that's why you you get guys from seattle green bay forever uh baltimore uh usually pittsburgh places like that and uh if it happens to be somebody from the chiefs and Cal McNair and the search committee determine that he is the best guy and offer him the job, that's great. But he's going to have to, of course, spend a lot of time uh, in the process of interviewing the head coaches. John, the Thursday night game matches up the Indianapolis Colts playing at Tennessee, and this is a game that's going to make me nauseous because the <laughs> Texans are where they are and these teams are where they are, and I just – I don't even – look, I'm going to have to watch it. I, I will watch it. There's nothing that can tear me away from it. But what do you think of this? Five and three Colts, six and two Titans. How do you think it goes down in Nashville tonight? Well, you better watch it because your next head coach might be in that game. Oh, yeah, I know. You got two two leading candidates, Arthur Smith and Matt Eberflus. Good chance both of them are going to be head coaches. I think Arthur Smith should be interviewed here. People up there mm-hmm. swear by the guy. He's done a tremendous job with Tannehill the last two years. And four head coaches have kept him up there. This is Arthur Smith's time. And I'm guessing Eberflus is the same way. And uh, it's going to be fun because the Colts have owned the Titans. They just can't beat them. Well, if they split, which I expect will happen. But Indianapolis's defense is great. You know, individually, they don't have a lot of great players. But it, collectively, they are great. But they're beatable because they don't have a running game anymore. They've got to rely on Phillip Rivers every game. And they can get the Rivers two games ago and three games ago when he had six touchdown passes and one interception, and they won both. Or they can get the guy through for 227 yards no touchdowns, 5.6 yards per attempt, and they just got beat by Baltimore. So I'm I'm interested to watch this and see if Tennessee's defense, which is mediocre, can do a good enough job against Rivers. And I can't wait to see Derrick Henry and Tannehill against that defense. In the last game against the Bears, Derrick Henry ran for 68 yards, and Tannehill completed 10 passes. 
and they still won by seven. They led 24-3 in the fourth quarter. That's because the Bears' offense is an absolute – well, I can't say what it's going to say here. Yeah, uh, I was going to say a little bit stronger than that. Uh, General, are you surprised that the Colts are a one-point favorite at Tennessee? I can't figure that. Can't figure that at all. Um, I, I just – I don't understand it. Colts have a great defense. Titans have a really good running offense. With Derrick Henry, great play action game. I just saw stats a while ago before I came on. I tweeted about how great Tannehill's been at home. So I can't wait to see this game. I'm excited, not just because it's the division, but the two teams, the the offense of the Titans against the defense of the Colts. John, everybody's freaking out about Baltimore because they've lost two games. Boy, give me six and two problems, but they've lost two games, and they're two AFC leaders with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers having beaten them. Uh, plus, Lamar Jackson saying that uh, the defense knows the Ravens plays. Greg Roman says nothing to see here. That's just uh, old hat. And the Patriots 3-5 and five will host Baltimore this Sunday. What do you make of this matchup? And the Patriots are, of course, coming to NRG Stadium next, and they're a 3-5 and five team that just doesn't look right when you see that record in front of that New England logo. I'll I'll say this about Baltimore. They have the easiest schedule from here on out based on opposing records. Mm. So they still have to play the Steelers. I picked the Saints and the Ravens in the Super Bowl with the Saints winning. I feel a lot better about that one after that Sunday night game against the Buccaneers. But right now, Baltimore is definitely a Super Bowl contender. I wouldn't take anybody over the Chiefs because of my homes. 25 touchdowns and one interception. That's just unbelievable. Their running game is not working like they want it with the Chiefs, but their defense is playing well enough. But so what when you got a quarterback who's as extraordinary as Mahomes is? And he gets even better when the weather's bad. But uh, the Ravens, they're always going to be a threat to go to the Super Bowl. They play good defense. They got that multifaceted running game. And even though Lamar Jackson's not playing as well as last year, he's playing well enough. He's still really good, but they are a premier team. I think, I don't think Pittsburgh's the best team. Steelers have been winning close games, beating, beating bad teams, going down to the wire. I think Kansas City's the best in the AFC. John, who do you trust more, Baltimore Ravens or the 7-2 Buffalo Bills? Boy, the Bills have had kind of a four-game slump. Josh Allen had thrown four touchdown passes. I think what happened against Seattle is indicative of how utterly pathetic the Seahawks defense is. They are terrible. They also don't have a running game. And that's even worse because when you don't have a running game, you've got to rely on your quarterback every play. Who does that sound like? That sounds like Deshaun Watson. Russell Mm -hmm. Wilson is tremendous. But as Romeo Grinnell said last week, no team is a one player team and right now the Seahawks can't play defense and their running game Carlos Hyde is a backup and he was hurt Carson's hurt I just I just uh I don't know if I believe in the Bills I want to see him do it for two or three games and not just take advantage at all of a really bad Seattle defense John, was that the breaking news hotline ringing a few moments ago? Yeah. Generally, you answer the phone. I had somebody calling my wife. Oh, okay. 
All right, vehicle sorry. warranty, I'm sure they probably wanted. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I get all the time. Hey, you know your vehicle needs a Aren't warranty. Aren't we glad that the, ra- that the, that the presidential race is over <sighs> so oh we don't gosh. get all those calls? Oh, the texts. Ridiculous the texts about a text. The off the charts. Uh, okay, General, what do you have going on in the Houston Chronicle for us? I wrote a column tomorrow about how well-equipped the Browns are for bad weather on Sunday, and that could affect the Texans' passing offense. Uh, Aaron Wilson's got a story on Miles Garrett and J.J. Watt for Sunday. We got podcasts, and please check out our TV show, Texas Sports Nation. It's on AT&T.net, and uh, I'm sorry, at Root Sports, let me put it like that. And uh, we have our show on Channel 2 on Sunday nights after Sports Sunday. Guys, thank you very much. And wouldn't it be something if the Texans could pull off an upset of the Browns? Doesn't that sound weird? An upset of the Browns and then play the Patriots and Lions back-to-back. If they beat the Browns, I bet they beat the Patriots and the Lions. Oh, that'd be so sweet. All right, General. Oh, that'd be a great Thanksgiving, General. Thanks a lot for joining us, as always. All right, John Harris sticks around. What's it going to take to beat these Browns? What about Chubb? How valuable is he? We'll tell you that and uh, get into some of the nuances of the matchup and some of the other matchups that we didn't hit on with the general. All coming up here on Texans Radio. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. Teaching kids at home can be hard, and teaching math can be even harder. Well, Schlumberger and the Houston Texans are here to make math fun with the Texans Stats Challenge. Get your student in the game with worksheets, videos, tips, and more to make math fun using the game of football, all for free. The Stats Challenge, presented by Schlumberger, is designed for 6th grade students and covers a variety of math topics. Find the Stats Challenge and other great resources as we continue to huddle at home at HoustonTexans.com community. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you by Miller Lite. During this time of social distancing, cheering on the Texans over a beer might look a little different today. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. Miller Lite, championship partner of the Houston Texans. Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash buy beer online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now, here's the show. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points, Saturday nights at 10.30 or after the late local news on ABC 13. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Texans All Access. Great to have the general on earlier. Johnny Chubb, Nick Chubb for the Cleveland Browns. And we were touching on this last night. When he was with the Browns in the first four games before he went out with the injury, they were leading the league in rushing. Johnny, is he that good? I mean, yep. what, what makes them so good running the football this year? He's decisive. He's explosive. He's twitchy. He's as athletic as you're going to find. I mean, he was a sprinter in high school. He has got incredible burst and balance. The first year at Georgia, when Todd Gurley had his little thing with the NCAA, Chubb stepped right in and was like, 
Um, did y'all think this guy might be better than the other guy, by the way? Uh, he's that good. Um, now, coming off an injury, there's going to be some rust, uh, hopefully. But his contact balance, like, you've got to bring everything you got to try and tackle this guy. I mean, he's about 225 pounds, and he's just a brick. Uh, and is a fast-moving brick. And the one thing that we've struggled with is making contact and wrapping up. And unfortunately, with both of these backs, Chubb and Hunt, they are very difficult to get to the ground. One-on-one is nearly impossible. So guys need to be flying to the football, but they can't be throwing shoulders into guy into these running backs. They've got to wrap up rugby-style tackle, get them to the ground, because they are together. that Alone, separated, or together, they're that good. There's no question. Well, you and I last night talked about shootout vibe, but here we go with the weather report. The plot thickens with high winds and maybe some rain, and it's just ugly. And, you know, McLean talked about 45 to 55 degrees, and there's a big difference. I don't think there's a big difference, man. If it's blowing 40 (laughs) by Lake Erie, it could be 65. It's going to feel like 35. It's going to be awful. But what about how this thing might be played now? And, yeah, ground game certainly helps, but the Texans have not been able to create one. How can they create something that's going to move the football for them in these conditions on Sunday? What do you think they're going to do? Well, again, I think for this team, utilizing the short passing game as an extension of the run game, I mean, that's got to be one thing. The other thing is Duke Johnson, I think, is – is capable of putting together a game or two. I, I, I really do. I think because of his different skill set and the fact that he can make guys miss the way that he did. I mean, Mark, how many yards did he pick up that didn't end up on the stat sheet the other day just by making a guy miss two yards into the backfield? Or, you know, he'd be hemmed in for a three- or four-yard loss. He turned it into a one-yard gain. I mean, he probably had 20 to 25 yards in addition to what he picked up Because he was making guys miss. He didn't really have an opportunity to, ooh, they got pushed off the ball. Now I can just find my hole and scoot through here for 10, 12 yards. But it could very well be a Duke Johnson game. And I'm okay with that. I just don't, and I say that because I don't think that David's going to be ready. He hasn't practiced the last couple of days. I haven't seen him out there for, uh, for activation. So I think it's Duke. Now the question becomes, who else do you put with him? And and I've heard guys. I, I and, and boy, I love I love my dudes Landry and John, but they're hounding Buddy Howell for fumbling a snap or for fumbling a handoff. And I'm like, look, when you're not when you haven't taken a handoff from that guy, or you haven't taken and putting your hands under the butt of a new center, everything's different, man. It is different. So the fact that Buddy Howell fumbled one, you know, and 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 look, it's a it's an RPO or a zone read. That's difficult for anybody regardless. So I'd like to see Buddy get in there because Buddy has got some he's got some poundability, if that makes sense. He can pound yeah. on the defense a little bit. He's a bigger guy. He's north-south. He gets downhill in a hurry. And, look, if there's no hole there, he's, he makes one because he just puts his head down and he goes. Now, he may miss a cut here or there because he may not see it because he's just tunnel vision. But – he might put he might be able to put a hurting on on some of the guys up front to have to try and tackle him. So if it's neither of those guys, then it becomes CJ Procise or it becomes Scotty Phillips in addition to Duke Johnson. And 
we you know look I, I i loved cj coming out of notre dame but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy to be that guy and scotty phillips is kind of a poor man's clyde edwards Lair, and he's a tough guy to tackle because of his size and how he's built so i'm curious to see how this running game comes together in the end i think it's going to be a lot of duke johnson and i'm okay with that as long as they mix in some of the short passing game uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to, and then if it gets to be just a grinded out battle, your defense is gonna have to do everything possible to bend but not break, and just keep them out of the end zone. Uh, and hopefully, you could put the ball in the end zone a few times and knock these guys off. But I, I've looked I've looked back at the weather, Mark. I, I've checked it, and it it looks like by game time we might we might not have as much rain as. Uh, as you could possibly have I, now mm-hmm. again that it's Cleveland so weather wise you just you just never know but to me if the wind is a big factor oh boy that that yeah. that gets tough the wind to that's me gets to be really tough that's the thing we'll always go back to that Green Bay game in 08 when it was three degrees but it wasn't yep. windy so they threw for right. over 400 yards uh it's going to be tough on Sunday if it's high winds of 30 to 40 miles per hour coming off Lake Erie I mean the stadium's right there I tweeted out a picture of the stadium yeah. on a really nice day uh in preparation to this show so go to at Texans voice if you want to see a picture of Brown Stadium uh the way it is now not the old one that McLean was talking about that uh, I wish I did a game there John uh, no, I mean I, I'm- that, that's you. one regret I had that I got into the league in 02 and I and I missed out on some of these old yep. buildings, yep. You know, days of yore in the NFL. I mean, I, I did a game at the old Meadowlands. You know, I did a game at the old Jack Murphy Stadium, and they named it Qualcomm later. I'm yep. glad we did a game at the Raiders Stadium, or many yeah. games there, actually. You know, because it's, I just think it's part of the NFL history, and you want to see these old buildings, and, and, and you want to be in there. I've never done a game at Three Rivers. Uh, and, you that know, would have they're, been they're, fun. Yeah, there are many winter others, game in, A winter game in Three Rivers Stadium? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, Soldier Field, obviously, but but after they redid it, and they redid it in such a ridiculous way, it still doesn't make sense to me. And every time someone from Chicago tries to explain to me how they did it and why they did it the way they did, (laughs) I'm thinking my head starts spinning around like Linda Blair. I mean, come on. Okay, so we've got the Texans and the Browns on Sunday, and we talked about it with John McClain, the Titans and the Colts tonight, but uh, give me your quick thumbnail on this one tonight because I, I think this is a very interesting matchup, and I was joking about being nauseous while watching it. Might not be much of a joke, but I'm definitely watching this one because the Texans are going to play them both again. They have yep. two games coming up with the Indianapolis Colts, and I hope they're highly meaningful, and in order to make them meaningful, if you win the next three in a row, which is a tall order, I get it, but if you do... You're playing the Colts for a chance to go 500 in the opening game of the month of December. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Would you sign up for that? Heck, yeah. No doubt. Uh, well, I would definitely sign up for that. I, as you know me, Mark, I like to dive into the X's nose. Like, well, you know, if the Colts are in this front, the Titans do this. You know, like all that kind of stuff. It, that That's important in a granular sense. But to me, this one really comes down to which Philip Rivers shows up. Which Philip Rivers shows up? If Philip Rivers shows up with T.Y. Hilton back, and Philip is dealing, he's using all of his weapons. He's throwing it to ten or eleven different guys. I think the Colts end up being they're tough to beat. But if River if Rivers is throwing it up, it's getting picked off. He's not giving his receivers a chance. Then I think the Titans will end up winning this. I, I really think it comes down to Philip Rivers making 
this play or that play and actually making them both. He can't make this play, but then not make that one. He's got to make this one and that one. It's got to be an and, not an or situation for the Colts. I was surprised the Colts were favored. I really was. Because the Titans, they'll play pretty well at home. And getting that win against the Bears, I think, was big for them because they had had that two-game schneid, got off the two-game schneid, they lost the two uh, to the Steelers and the Bengals. Now they play the Brown, uh, the, the Bears are 5-3. and three. They knocked them off. So they got, a little, they got their confidence back a little bit. Clowney's back tonight for them. They got Desmond King, who had a fumble return for a touchdown. I And I think we want the Titans to win. That's the question I had for you. Who do you want to win? I think that yeah. we need the Titans to win, right? Let's move the Colts yeah. closer to us. Well, yeah, I think you want to do that. I think all the team. Look, I I know it sounds far fetched, people, but the Dolphins and the Raiders last week. I thought oh, those. That's too bad. Both those teams won. And you have a lot of teams in the AFC here who don't go to the playoffs much or haven't been for a long, long time. Miami, Cleveland, the Raiders. They all have five wins, and they're all smelling it right now yep. at the halfway point, and they're just dying to keep it going. You need these teams to lose this weekend. And the Colts are another five-win team that you need to go down. Let the Titans run off with the division at this point. Uh, Had the Texans beaten the Titans previously in that shootout, they'd be both sitting there at five and three going into tonight, and the Texans would be three and five. And then I would say, hmm, maybe the Colts, because you play them twice, and I'd have a different song and dance going into this one. But at this point, Titans, you run off with the AFC South. Texans, if they're going to get in, have to get hot, obviously. I mean, this goes without saying. And they have to do it another way. They have to find another avenue into the playoffs. And remember, in their history, they've been to the playoffs a bunch of times in the last decade, but have not ever gotten in without winning the division. Never as a wild card team. And at this point, Johnny, I'll take it. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us, and uh, we'll check in tomorrow. I know you get a big show tomorrow. Yes, sir, Mark. Thank you very much. All right, John Harris joining us. All right, a few other games we want to sink our teeth into as the Texans take on Cleveland on Sunday, 12 noon start for that. And also Houston Methodist minutes coming up. And you know I've tried to pick topics lately. and These are uh, quickie little medical tidbits. I've tried to pick topics lately that affect everybody. And, yes, people who uh, – are aging and might have Alzheimer's, some sort of dementia. That is the topic tonight on Houston Methodist Minute. So let's check in with an expert on that. It's all coming up next on Texans Radio. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. My name is Dean Grant of Resolute Oil. We were poised for significant growth in 2020. When the pandemic hit, it stopped us in our tracks, derailed us. We spoke with Amogee right away because we believed in Amogee and believed that they would come up with the best solution available. Without Amogee Bank, we would not be in business today. They make you feel, they make you feel important. We're, we're an Amogee Bank customer for life. Amogee Bank, a division of Zions Bank Corporation, N.A., member FDIC, official business bank of the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans Scratch Ticket from the Texas Lottery is your ticket for a chance to win up to $100,000. And it's your opportunity to enter promotional drawings for a chance to win an away game trip on a private plane, VIP season tickets, luxury suite tickets to a home game, and more. So get your Houston Texans Scratch Ticket today. Houston NFL Holdings LP, all rights reserved. For detailed game odds and information, visit txlottery.org or call 800-375-6886. Must be 18 or older to purchase a ticket or enter a promotional second chance drawing. Play responsibly. 
Texans All Access. Let's gear up with some Papa John's picks for $6. That's right, a variety of items for only $6 each. The Vander Kids are going to love this. Meatballs, chicken poppers, garlic knots, breadsticks, whatever you want. $6 each. Papa John's no contact delivery available. Papa John's Houston. Houston owned and operated for 25 years. Order online at papajohns.com or on the app. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points Saturday nights at 1030 or after the late local news on ABC 13. Mark Vandermeer with you, Texans All Access. Injury report today, DNP. This is did not participate. That would be one. David Johnson with the concussion. He's still in the protocol. Sunil Kelamete, same thing for the guard. And Charles Amenahu with a hamstring. So those three out of practice today. And the final injury report will come out tomorrow. And I would doubt those guys would be available, but you never know. Dylan Cole went from did not participate yesterday to limited today with a back injury also coming off that COVID list as somebody who was possibly exposed or was exposed but uh, did not pick it up. So this is good that Cole was limited today and is uh, on the way up and maybe he can go on Sunday. Very good special teams player and certainly can play some linebacker for you as well. As far as the Browns go, uh, they've got five guys limited who were limited yesterday. You would expect that they would be able to go but you never know and uh, full participation. I'm not even going to list these guys because uh, look, if you're full, you're full. You just have injuries because they have a NFLPA kind of deal where they have to list these things. But Austin Hooper and Jarvis Landry are the most notables there, and they are going to play. So get ready. Buckle up. The Browns have some weapons on offense. I mean, they can throw the ball. Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, are you kidding me? I don't care that OBJ's out for them. That's no – I mean, look, that's, that helps you, but it's not a huge help when you have guys like Landry and Hooper and you have Kareem Hunt to throw to out of the backfield as well. My goodness, this is going to be interesting. And I know they have a high wind forecast for Sunday, but as we mentioned, the Browns can run the ball, led the league in rushing in the first four games when Chubb was still healthy for them. And as far as the running back situation goes for the Texans, we were talking about it with Johnny and John McClain. Uh, the fact that David Johnson's still out with a concussion injury and you have Duke, the former Brown, available, that's great. And the general was talking about the 0-2 season where they uh, had the worst rushing season in the history of the franchise. You know, I go back to the early Kubiak years, man. Every once in a while you could dust off a Ron Dane and he'd give you a Hundy or something like that. You need something of that nature to happen this weekend. Somebody's got to rise up and give you some rushing yardage. I know Duke can do some, but there has to be another player, I think, helping out. And another player who could really help out is Deshaun Watson himself. Like last week when he had 50 rushing yards, safely running the ball. Socially distanced running for a quarterback includes sliding, running out of bounds, avoiding contact, right? Stay six feet away from everybody. But get us some rushing yards, and maybe that can certainly help the cause as you try to beat the Cleveland Browns this weekend. Let's get to Houston Methodist Minutes. Now, this week... We decided to go with Alzheimer's as a topic because I want to pick topics that not only affect athletes but affect everybody because we all have a relative or somebody in our lives who's been affected or affected. Dr. Joseph Mazdu is an expert on this stuff, and I caught up with him and talked to him about what this is, what Alzheimer's really is. And when you boil it all down, it's basically brain cells dying off. He talked about it. 
Yes, that is correct. I mean, the, the main problem is that nurse cells die in the and, and they do it in a very slow, very progressive uh, way. So uh, it's a disease that goes through many years, and uh, we know a number of the reasons why does this happens. Some other reasons are still to be uh, discovered. What kind of advancements are being made in trying to prevent it or treat it? What can you share with us about that? Sure. Uh, now, in terms of prevention, it's, it's very important to understand what is going on in the brain of a specific individual who may be at risk uh, for Alzheimer's. Um, that means someone who has relatives with it, particularly first-degree relatives like siblings or a parent with Alzheimer's, uh, uh, people uh, with, uh, in this situation are at higher risk. Now, somebody who is at higher risk may want to know whether uh, there is something going on in the brain that may predispose them to having Alzheimer's in the future. And uh, one of the things that may happen in the brain for years before the person has any, any problems is the buildup of a protein that is called amyloid. You may have read about amyloid mm -hmm. plaque. Well, uh, we can do a PET scan, PET uh, PET scan, and find out whether the person has, has excess amyloid or not. All right, you can get more on HoustonMethodist.org. It's the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. That's going to do, do it for the show tonight. I want to thank everybody who worked on the program. Robert Harris, our producer. Thank you, John McClain, for being on, and John Harris as well. Thursday night football coming up. Texans All Access Friday at 6, Texans Extra Points, and Texans 360 after the late news Sunday, or Saturday, rather. Jeez, get the day right. Saturday on ABC 13 after the late news. Have a great night, everyone, and as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in Houston, with the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities.